welcome to the Bethel Free Baptist Church Weekly Sermons. This is the evening service of Sunday the 19th of October 2014. This is the Young Adult and Youth Sunday and the Bible reading is taken from Colossians chapter 1 verses 15 to 22. Here's Brother Gareth Green. Um, I just wanted to start by saying uh, thank you again for giving us the opportunity to take on these responsibilities and for letting us uh, lead you in worship again, uh, uh, as we did last time. Um, originally, when uh, we were planning these services, we thought that we might not have enough people to be able to take on uh, most of the responsibilities. Uh, but praise God, he has provided the workers needed for his work, um, and everything seems to be running fairly smoothly. So, yeah, praise God. <laughs> um, we would also like to uh, say a thank you to uh, Jackie for preparing the flowers, to Cherry, uh, Micah, and Michaela for working uh, with the kids during Children's Church. Uh, we also like to thank Malcolm for stepping in to do the mission support, uh, and also for Shelley for playing the piano and working with the kids during crash. Um, so yeah, thank you for uh, helping us and um, yeah, thank you. So this evening's uh, sermon. It's fairly straightforward. We're going to be looking together into the book of Colossians, as we just read. Uh, it's a passage of scripture that I'm sure is familiar to many of you. I believe that tonight God wants us to meditate on a passage of scripture that we find, uh, on a passage of scripture that has a detailed description of who Jesus is. Um, so uh, we've already read it once, but why not read it again? Um, I invite you to stand with me to read. Colossians chapter 1, verse 15 to 22. The Bible says, sorry, Paul writes in the Holy Spirit, inspired by the Holy Spirit, who is the image of the invisible God talking about Jesus, uh, the firstborn of every creature. For by him were all things created that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created by him and for him. And he is before all things, and by him all things consist. And he is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he might have the preeminence. For it pleased the Father that in him should all fullness dwell. And having made peace through the blood of his cross, by him, to reconcile all things unto himself. By him, I say, whether they be things in heaven, uh, things in earth, or things in heaven. And you, that were sometimes alienated, and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now hath he reconciled in the body of his flesh, through death, to present you holy and unblameable and unreprovable in his sight. Please be seated. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for uh, this, uh, this book in the Bible. We thank you, Lord, for who you are uh, and what you've done. And Lord, we pray that tonight uh, you would uh, use me to speak to each of our hearts, that um, Jesus would be uh, greater known, uh, known in more detail and uh, loved more deeply, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. So let's start by looking at the background of this book. So as we know, Colossians was written by Paul 
to a church at Colossae. And we find later in the book that Paul also asked them to give this epistle to a church in Lacedonia. That's uh, chapter 4, verse 16. It seems that Colossians was written to contradict a local heresy, uh, which some scholars believe to be a mix of paganism, Judaism, and Christianity. One of the main themes of this heresy is that of Gnosticism, uh, the idea that matter is evil. And because they didn't like creation, they didn't like matter, they thought that matter was evil, they refused to believe that God could have created it, thereby denying the divine creation of the universe. The heresy did not deny Christ, but it did dethrone him. And so throughout the book, we see Paul stressing that Jesus is divine, creator, and savior. So Paul's purpose in writing this letter can be seen in verse 9 and 10 of chapter 1. For this cause, we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you and to desire that you might be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding, that you might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. So Paul says in verse 9 that his desire is that these Christians be filled with the knowledge of God's will, uh, wisdom, and also spiritual understanding, so that, as he says in verse 10, uh, they might walk worthy of the Lord, uh, worthy of the name Christian, so that we are pleasing to God, and so that we can bear fruit, that we might increase in the knowledge of God. And that is the purpose of the sermon, that we might uh, learn more about and become more like our Savior, our Lord, and our King, Jesus Christ. For this passage of scripture, uh, I've identified 12 different attributes or characteristics of Jesus Christ. To help you digest this picture, I've split these attributes up into three different groups. Uh, which fortunately fit perfectly into the three points of this evening's sermon. We'll be looking at the authority, the actions, and the accomplishments uh, of Jesus Christ. The authority, the actions, and the accomplishments. We're not going to have enough time to look into each of these eight verses um, or each of these 13 attributes in detail but I hope we will get the point of each of these three groups. So, the authority, the actions, and the accomplishments. So, point one, the authority of Christ. The authority of Christ is revealed in verse 15. Let's read that again. Who, Jesus, is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature, so here we are told that Jesus is the image of the invisible God. Now, what does that mean? Does that tell us that Jesus is less than God? After all, when you take a picture of something, it's never as good as seeing something in person. If we follow this train of thought, then we might uh, end up concluding um, 
that if Jesus is just an image of God, then that might mean that he is not God. But this is not how Christ is being described in this passage. Jesus is not being described as just an image, um, in the same way as uh, a reflection in the mirror is an image of yourself. He is being described as a duplication of the exact same, an identical copy of God. Jesus tells us in John 10 verse 30 that he and the Father are one. Jesus Christ, God the Father, and God the Holy Spirit are one. The authority of Christ is revealed again to us in verse 15, uh, where we are told that Christ is the firstborn of every creature. This comment seems to suggest that Christ was created or born into existence. For instance, if I told you that uh, my brother was the firstborn, you would rightfully think that he is the oldest, but also that there was a point in time when he didn't exist. So keep your fingers in Colossians and turn with me to John chapter 1. I'm going to read verse 1 and verse 14. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Verse 14. And the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. And let's turn back to Colossians there. So these verses uh, in John chapter 1 show us that Christ was not born into existence, but that he was always in existence, as God was always in existence. So what does Colossians chapter 1 verse 15 mean when it says firstborn? Well, the term firstborn, which in the Greek is pronounced prototokos, yeah, that's right. We haven't done Greek in uh, Bible college yet, so you have to forgive me. <laughs> Prototokos. So this term doesn't mean born. It means first in rank. Uh, this fact is evident in the context uh, of our passage in Colossians. Firstborn was a positional term that was used widely in the Bible uh, to, uh, to refer to uh, a person's inheritance usually the firstborn would get the most inheritance. Um, so, for example, uh, the firstborn was not always the first to be born. Uh, let's look at the sons of Abraham. Ishmael, son of Abraham, uh, was the first to be born chronologically in that he was born uh, before Isaac. However, <clears throat> Isaac who was the second born chronologically, was the first born in God's eyes, as we see in Genesis 21, verse 3. So when Christ is referred to as the firstborn of every creature in verse 15, it means that he has authority above everything created, heaven and earth, me and you. The authority of Christ is also revealed to us in verse 16. Let's read that again. For by him were all things created 
that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created by him and for him. Verse 16 does a perfect job of summing up everything that has ever been existed or that has ever existed except for God himself. We see that absolutely everything was created by Jesus and therefore Jesus must have existed. Sorry, Jesus must have, exi have existed before all things and therefore have authority over all things. This truth is also reinforced by verse 17. I will go into verse 17 later. Because of the lack of time, uh, I'm not going to be able to go through the other points here uh, that talk about Christ's authority. Um, so I'm just going to uh, mention them very briefly um, and just point them out to you. Verse 18, uh, Christ is in authority over the church. He is the head of the church. Uh, Christ is preeminent meaning superior or above all others. And also verse 19, uh, all fullness dwells in Christ. Uh, what does that mean? Uh, well, if we look at Colossians chapter 2, verse 9, uh, we see that the fullness of God dwells in Christ. Christ has the same authority of God the Father and God the Holy Spirit. So let's go on to point two, the actions of Christ. The actions of Christ are shown to us in verse 16. For by him were all things created that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created by him and for him. So as we have already discovered earlier, uh, Christ has created everything. This tells us that God is creative. Uh, the most wonderful and creative idea that each of us have ever had is a product uh, of what we have already experienced. But when God created, there was nothing else to influence him or anything outside of himself uh, to draw inspiration from. I wonder, have any of you ever tried to imagine a new color? Give it a go. You have 15 seconds. I'll stop at 10. Forget it. <laughs> um, so when you tried to create a color, what was going through your mind? Yeah, yeah. Um, I can't read your minds, but no, that was exactly what I did as well the first time I did this. Um, so we either try to add a new shade to a color that has already existed or mix two colors together. The fact is we can't create a new color because our mind only knows what God has created for us to know. And if Dulux ever come out with a new color, <laughs> um, it's just a color that has already been invented in the visual spectrum of light. God created every beautiful thing we see without the input of anything else. So the actions of Christ are also shown to us in verse 17. Verse 17 says, And he is before all things, and by him all things consist. 
Verse 17 tells us that all things, visible and invisible, consist because of Christ. The word translated consist in verse 17 is sanistano, sorry, sanistano, sanistano um, in the Greek. Uh, and this word, sanistano, is where we get our word sustain from. So by him, Jesus, all things are sustained. Jesus has created and is sustaining everything. Christ has and is currently acting to sustain or not to sustain us. In other words, Jesus decides when we live and when we die. He decides when we are sick and when we are healthy. He decides when we lose a limb or when we gain weight and when our hair falls out or changes color. He has the authority to perform these actions. It's all in his hands. The final action of Christ we see in this passage is in verse 22. In the body of his flesh, through death, to present you holy and unblameable and unreprovable in his sight. Excuse me, sorry, that should be verse 20. Sorry. Um, so, the final action of Christ that we see in this passage is in verse 20. And having made peace through the blood of his cross, by him to reconcile all things unto himself. By him, I say, whether they be things in earth or things in heaven. So, this tells us that Christ died in his fleshly body. Because this is so closely linked to Christ's accomplishments, we will simply move on to our final point. So far, we have seen Christ's authority and Christ's actions. Now, finally, we will discuss Christ's accomplishments. So, point three. The accomplishments of Christ are revealed to us in verse 20, as we have just read. We are told here that Christ has achieved reconciliation, that has achieved the reconciliation of creation by the action of shedding his blood. So reconciliation came through shedding of his blood. In order for something to need reconciling with something else, um, there must already be a division between the two. That division was, of course, sin. There is no one righteous. Everyone has sinned and come short of the glory of God. God's word tells us that the only proper payment we should receive for our sins is death. And so with this problem in mind, we can see the need for Christ's intervention. Fortunately, Christ chose to intervene. Not because of our love for God, or because of our good behavior, but purely because of his love for us. God loved you so much that he gave his only begotten son, so that whoever puts their faith and trust in him will not experience the eternal wrath of God, but will have eternal life in the presence of God. 
The accomplishments of Christ are revealed to us in verse 21. And you, that were sometimes alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now hath he reconciled. Through Christ's blood, Christ achieved peace with his enemies. We are the enemies of God being talked about here, or we were the enemies of God. Romans 5, chapter 10 tells us, When we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son. The only way that we could be reconciled to God is through our sins being forgiven. And the only way that could happen is by someone taking the punishment for our sins. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 7 says, In whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of his grace. If you will confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, and shall believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, then you shall be saved. For with the heart you believe unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Whoever will call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. The reason for every action that God has ever made has been for his glory. These accomplishments bring God glory. So, what are the practical implications of what we have just been discussing? What effect is the knowledge of Christ going to have on you on Monday morning? Well, understanding these things about Christ helps us to trust him in all things. Uh, Timothy Keller, um, a author and a pastor, uh, writes, If we knew what God knows we would ask for exactly what he gives us. So if we knew what God knew, then everything that happens to us, those would be the things that we ask God to give us. If we knew what God knew, then we would be praying for him uh, to give us the things that we can't understand. We would be praying for him to give, give us uh, the experiences of the death around us the corruption, um, perhaps unemployment, disease, pain, and other trials. So again, if we knew what God knew, we would ask for every single one of these things that we that have gone through in our lives. Understanding these things about Christ is going to give you a confidence in Christ's ability to answer your prayers and confidence in knowing that he is doing what is best for you. Understanding these things about Christ is going to give you peace and reassurance in the coming months when uncertainty comes or you get a phone call with terrible news. Understanding more about Christ is going to better prepare you to face and correct false teachers who claim to know the real Jesus. 
<coughs> so, in conclusion, trust Christ. He is in authority. He is in control. Thank you. Let's close in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the truths that you have um, given to us in your word. We thank you particularly for this passage of Colossians that you've allowed us to study together this evening. We thank you for Jesus. We thank you for everything that um, he has done in the past. We thank you for um, his absolute authority above all. We thank you for um, the accomplishments of uh, reconciling um, creation and his enemies to himself, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for dying on the cross for us and um, saving us from our sins. We pray that you bless us in the coming weeks and months, in the coming years when we have to face those difficult things in our lives. Uh, we pray, Lord, that you would um, help us to rest, uh, rest in, the, in the knowledge and the understanding of who you are. And I pray for your peace upon us as we go into those um, uh, difficult and uh, unexpected uh, situations, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you.